Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45 minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal valid when product served. Welcome to episode number 49 of the LSR podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. With me, Dustin Gowker, Adam Candy. And we actually have a decent amount of news to cover with you guys, despite the fact that we don't have sports betting going on very actively right now. I mean, if you want to get into the ping pong streets, I suppose you can do that. We do have a very big event that's going to be going down on Thursday night. We will hit on that. We'll also hit on what's going on. With the World Series of Poker, we speculated on that. We'll talk about some DraftKings stuff. We'll talk about New York, even some Virginia and Oklahoma. But let's kick things off with the pretty much the biggest sporting event, quote unquote, event that you can um, bet on for the foreseeable future. And that is going to be the NFL draft going down Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we're going to be looking at, you know, listen, first round with massive handle second round is probably going to see, you know, even these later rounds is probably going to see handle like we've never seen before guys. When we, when we take a look at this, what are we hearing as far as numbers? What are we predicting as far as numbers? What are we thinking about this? Well, I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that we don't have a lot of, uh, data to compare against right other than from nevada and even it hasn't been a robust market in nevada for all that long but what we're hearing from operators thus far is pretty remarkable uh 4x over last year from some uh could climb as high as 5x uh over last year which is just unbelievable for an event that involves no actual athletic activity um it is the only thing that is on the menu that anybody thinks they have any level of expertise around really what since the last PGA tour event dropped off the card. Uh, there hasn't been anything that people thought they had a reasonable chance to bet on. So, you know, you temper your expectations nationally, if only in part because Pennsylvania doesn't allow it. West Virginia is basically going to close its markets uh, up tonight. So you're looking to New Jersey and Nevada for the bulk of this and you know what you're going to see in jersey i'm sure is going to be pretty remarkable i mean matt you've talked about the amount of options that uh, you've been able to sort through from new jersey books yeah it has been insane i mean they have put up props that you know i mean literally that you would never have even thought of you're just sitting here looking and then they have thought of it they have put them up and you know, I can only imagine, Dustin, when you when we kind of sort through all of this, I mean, I can't imagine a scenario moving forward where we see anything like we're going to see with this handle for an NFL draft or for any non actual sporting event, maybe ever in history again, because this is, you know, in the, this is basically the perfect storm for us to have just astronomical numbers for this NFL draft. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just on an island, right? There's there's been nothing going on. You can't bet on the Jordan documentary on ESPN. You there's not. I mean, obviously, some people bet on table tennis and Belarusian soccer, but that, <laughs> that's a. I had a prop that's, that I would that I would that I would say Belarusian soccer. Yeah, that's why I worked it in. Uh, but it's you have to. Yeah, there's yeah, there's no nothing else. There's going to be on TV. It's going to be. Like Adam said, there's a there's all this information out there. You can you can fancy yourself a draft expert if you want to really dig into what everybody's saying, what people are hearing uh, from as far as sports reporters who are covering the draft. So, you know, I think it, it is it is kind of a tailor made betting event from that standpoint where you can you have all this information, you have nothing else to, nothing else going on. So it's yeah, and uh, you know we see we again we've heard all sorts of varying things on, on what people. Are expecting, you know, the one one the one interesting thing I've heard is it's about the equivalent of a of a big primetime game for for the NFL, which would be a sizable amount of handle for sure. Yeah, it's just going to be uh, really really crazy. I mean, all the attention is going to be around this, and so I can't even I, I just can't even fathom. I'm so 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 interested to see how these numbers come out for the NFL draft. And of course, if you are looking to get involved, we have our sister site over at the lines. Tons of stuff going on over there. We're actually going to be doing a live stream tomorrow night. If you want to catch uh, that as well, again, nothing uh, it, it's a good second screen screen experience. Just kind of talking about all the different angles that are going into the NFL draft. So you can catch that on the lines and the lines YouTube page over there. Uh, Adam, we have some Virginia things that are going on and it looks like maybe this time it's a go. Hopefully uh, you would hope that if the governor sends down a bunch of revisions and both houses of the legislature approve those revisions, that when the bill goes back to the governor, he would say, cool, that's what I wanted you to do. And that's what happened today. Uh, the veto session in Virginia was held in a really interesting situation. If you uh, if you weren't paying close attention to this, they were not in the same place where the House and Senate. They were three miles apart. Uh, the House session was held basically in a giant canopy on the lawn in Virginia, and then three miles away at another giant hall was where the Senate met, all that for appropriate social distancing measures. But both houses passed Governor Ralph Northam's asks pretty quickly. Virginia sports betting now goes back to the governor for his signature. This could be a market that we see come into place fairly quickly. I mean, it's something that wouldn't be surprising uh, to see in the next few months be able to fire up. And it's an interesting bill. Uh, 12 online licenses, as many as. Uh, you could have a total of 18 licenses. And one of Northam's requests was to be able to include NASCAR in the uh, Major League Sports organizations that could be eligible to host sports betting themselves. And if you remember the provision for that, went into the bill in an effort to try to compete with Maryland for getting the Washington Redskins to build a new stadium in Virginia. So that's something that will be under consideration later in the 2020s in terms of uh, the Washington situation. But yeah, uh, the bill went through a little bit of a rough patch last week. Uh, one of Northam's amendments was a $50,000 ahead uh, background check fee for not just owners of sports books, but for anybody in a management capacity. I had some sports book folks tell me that could be up to 20 people. So if you do the quick math, you're looking at an extra million dollars in licensing fees. Uh, my information, and that was echoed by one of the key legislators, 
is that that'll likely be dealt with in the regulatory phase where they'll probably revise the definition of who ultimately has to pay that $50,000 fee. So you won't be looking at a million dollars more than likely. Uh, the bill itself, a uh, reasonable tax rate uh, to go back to that. And uh, the only real downside uh, obvious in the bill was the requirement for use of official league data for settling in play wagers. But it certainly looks like Virginia is right at the one yard line for getting it done this year. Dustin, whenever we kind of look at a Virginia uh, market, what do we what do we feel like as far as how big, how small? What do we what do we feel as far as Virginia goes? I mean, Virginia is is an interesting state. There's uh, you know it has again DC and Maryland. Most of the population, uh, biggest part of part of the population is suburban DC. As as you know, if you listen to this podcast, we're not huge fans of the DC sports betting app that will come out. So a robust and competitive product from multiple operators in Virginia would do uh, you know pretty well. Um, you know, uh, plenty of interest. You know, no no real uh, top level sports uh, teams. Although again, DC. And, and the Maryland teams are there as well. So uh, plenty of plenty of opportunity there. It's a you know, it's been a gambling starved uh, state from for a while. It has uh, it has these uh, casinos that will be coming along, too, for the ride, apparently. So, uh, yeah, it should be a big state. Doesn't it, other than the D.C. doesn't have a huge access to other pop, other uh, metropolitan areas, but it really should do do pretty well. And, you know, outside of some of uh, some weirdness, it does seem to be like it'll it'll create an open competitive market that, that shouldn't be the it should be should at least on the faces looking now shouldn't be too bad. So I keep up with all this stuff pretty well. I follow all of the people on Twitter, obviously talk to you guys regularly, constantly on LSR, trying to keep up with the news as well. And then this Oklahoma thing came through Dustin. And I don't know if this is something that just, you know, was fell off of my radar somehow or what, but Oklahoma and sports betting doesn't seem like anything we've talked about on this podcast, at least anytime soon. And certainly uh, to think that there is something uh, legitimately going on there in Oklahoma, I was I was kind of shocked. Yeah, this is this one's been off the radar. Uh, although you know, as we talk about, increasingly tribes are interested in sports betting and at least doing it on property, if not uh, beyond their properties. So, uh, what happened was the governor said he uh, announced that they had compacts with two of the tribes that would allow for sports betting uh, at their properties in the state. So. Um, there's plenty of go, plenty going on in Oklahoma as far as legally there too. You know, we had the governor say, come out with say this and said, "Hey, we have legal sports betting." Uh, but the next day, this morning, actually today, we saw the attorney general of the state saying that sports betting is still un- illegal under state under state uh, laws outside of the compacts. The governor says, "Doesn't matter. He can kind of negotiate this however he wants." But Anyway, it's very, it's all, you know, did come out of nowhere. And I think it's about as clear as, as it w- was before that we have no idea what's going to happen with Oklahoma sports betting. The governor and the attorney general being at odds is not a, not a great way to start towards having tribes. And then there's all these other tribes in the state that, ha- that have not negotiated their compact that are actively involved in a lawsuit regarding how, how things are going down in the state. So, um, you know, I, I don't think we chalk up Oklahoma on a win column. It's also not going to be uh, widespread online betting. So, uh, a lot to, a lot still come on this, and I'm sure we'll we'll learn more about it as uh, the days and weeks go on. So, Adam, basically, to put this in a nutshell, there is news that has come out of Oklahoma, but it's nothing for us to get excited about. 
Not proximately, but I would say that if you look at the longer view on this and you use the New Mexico situation as comparison and you see in New Mexico, you know, as, as we've talked about, the fact that there isn't a state law governing gaming, but you're able to be able uh, do it through uh, through the tribes. Could there potentially be some push here to get this better defined at the federal level? And we had seen some uh, movement toward this earlier this year before everything got upended, in which there was an attempt to uh, to define a little more clearly with Agra. Uh, what's allowed and what's not in terms of sports betting. It was just uh, one piece of clarification in terms of server location and where the bet is actually placed. But we could be heading that direction in general here. The one thing that wouldn't make it, you know, a really current issue, I would say, is that tribes in general are not really pushing that hard for sports betting. If it was something that more of them wanted, I think you would see this get solved quicker. Yeah, that's the I'm glad you brought up the the New Mexico thing, because we don't really talk about New Mexico all that often here on the podcast, because it is just kind of down there. There's it's it's a very, very small market with everything that goes on down there. But I guess there is there are certainly some similarities between these two situations. And we've seen it kind of play out, at least get going there in in New Mexico, as small as the market may be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the situation in New Mexico essentially is that there's nothing expressly in New Mexico law that would forbid sports betting. And so under the definition of class three games, and I'm going to throw up the wonk alert here if you're not used to listening to this stuff. But under the definition of class three games, there has been some uh, discussion within IGRA of whether sports betting falls into that. And thus far, New Mexico has been able to essentially uh, qualify that uh, that definition. So, you know, you have a couple of casinos that offer sports betting in New Mexico. Again, it's all in person. It's not significant handle uh, in any way. And as we know, and as I mentioned a moment ago, there's not a giant federal push or not federal, but a national push for tribes to add sports betting right now. So we haven't seen a lot tr of other states trying to take up under the same mantle for those who do not have an express prohibition on sports betting in state law. All right. So let's, you know, listen, we have done a lot of uh, poo-pooing on Tennessee. I think we even poo-pooed them a little bit more um, last week here on the pod. But Dustin, let's just go ahead and, and while we're at it, let's just let's just continue and and just continue to poo-poo on Tennessee. Uh, yeah, Tennessee, uh, not great. The last week meeting saying that they would uh, that would require operators to hold 10 percent of, of handle. Uh, this is, is really not a great thing. You know, we track revenue and handle and hold across the entire United States. We have that have in the early days of U.S. sports betting from, you know, every state that's done this hold it about 7%. So somehow operators in Tennessee are going to have to, you know, find a way to hold 3% more. Now, does that come from less marketing and bonuses and promotions? Does it come from increased VIG? Does it come from some other kind of accounting? We don't know, but I think this is this is setting up Tennessee to not be uh, an ideal market even more so than it was before, even though it has online betting and a wide open market. This is, uh, this is something that no other state and really, uh, I think we not many nowhere really else in the world does this other than uh, uh, the, the lottery in France, I believe, is the only other place that does that. I might correct me if I'm wrong on that, but it's it's uh, it's just a weird thing. It's not going to that's not really great for creating you know, a competitive market for, for sports betting if you're forcing operators to, to hold more than they're, than they're used to doing. So 
Um, you know, again, we the good news out of Tennessee, we're, we're potentially three months from a launch. You know, that could, again, come into a world without a whole lot of sports. But, you know, the, the rules being approved there and applications now being available do, do mean Tennessee is on the clock for potential legal sports betting. Adam, we were talking about how there were going to be a pretty interesting case study going on in Colorado, how we were saying that some of these traditional old school, you know, if you want to call it old school um, sports books here from Nevada, going to be testing the waters up there in Colorado. It looks like now we have cleared up here just in uh, very recently when we are actually going to see this get going there in Colorado and just how soon we're going to see the battle for supremacy between these uh, quote unquote new, new school and old school guys. May 1st, uh, Colorado sports betting will launch within two weeks. We found that out for sure at a regulatory meeting last week in Colorado, in which the Colorado Limited Gaming Commission approved a few more licenses. And Dan Hartman, the director of the gaming division, had the opportunity to say, you know, was there anything standing in the way of getting started with May 1st, especially with the lack of sports on the calendar? And Dan Hartman said during that meeting that, you know, that operators are excited that he's talked to some of them and they're ready to get going. And we know by watching other states that this is mainly a drive for customer acquisition in advance of football season. Uh, Colorado, as uh, it's pretty clear, is a huge state for football. It's going to be a huge state for mobile based on the way things uh, are set up. So, yeah, everything appears to be green light ahead for May 1st. And Matt, this brings us to one other important point that I feel like I need to get to that comes out of the Colorado meeting. And this is for all of us who are stuck in the uh, in the work from home coronavirus pandemic situation right now. That meeting was conducted via a web tool, much like uh, Zoom or Skype or or anything else. And the chair of the meeting put out a call multiple times to say, please mute your microphones. Um, <laughs> one of the commissioners, I'm not going to name the commissioner because, you know, we're, we're all learning technology. Um, one of the commissioners sounded as though the meeting was being held inside a 30 mile an hour windstorm in the Rocky mountains because he just kept breathing into his mic over and over and over. And no matter how many times they called for muting the mics, I was able to look across the entirety of the 50 people on the call and I could see the two open mics were the chair and the one other commissioner. So people of earth. Mute your microphones. Start out. Go into your settings. You want a little help? Start off muted. You can set it so that when you come online, you're muted in the first place. I ask this on behalf of myself and all those who did not have an option to mute the Colorado meeting and had to listen to speakers trying to talk over Gale Force wins. This has been Adam Candy signing off. It is. It is something that I've seen so many memes now and all that because, I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, everybody's doing these you know, virtual meetings and, and whatnot. And people are just now finding out. I mean, we do a fair amount in our company. We're located all over the country and uh, workers all over everywhere. So we do a fair amount of the stuff. And, we, you know, we, we LOL every now and then when there's the person who doesn't close their mic and you hear the dog barking or hear whatever it might be. But I think everywhere the people of Earth now, Dustin, have have realized what it takes to run a successful virtual meeting that took us even it took us a little while even to kind of figure out how to best do these things. And man, it is uh, 
it is something else whenever you think that there are people still out there that can't get the simplest of things such as don't sit there and just breathe heavily into your microphone. And when you hear that noise, you're the one making it. You're the one making the noise like you have. You hear it as well. So what's going on? Yeah. Behind the curtain here. I mean, once in a while, we forget to unmute ourselves when we're going to yes. talk. And then that, that requires another cut. But I'm sure that that's not that's common to podcasts. But um, we're, we're, we're already pros in our internal meetings, though, man. Everybody gets in the meeting and it's mute. Like I'm like nobody's thought nobody's nobody's ever going into a meeting without a mute mute button already gone. So I'm, I'm proud we've instilled that with our with our workforce here. Yeah. Adam gave the the greatest hint ever is you can go into the settings and just set it to come into meeting on mute. And that is what you want to be doing, because that is definitely the way to go. Um, guys, before we get off of Colorado here, I it, is the May 1st date. Does it just basically say what we think it says about this draft? I mean, we, we think it's going to have huge handle for the draft, but we didn't see any urgency, I guess, to get this thing moved up at all. Um, I mean, we definitely saw a bunch of these bills whenever they were coming through. A lot of the dates that were getting floated around, we were always hearing, you know, early March, early March, early March, because we knew people were trying to get everything in place to where they could be live by March Madness, with this being the only sports betting thing of note, at least for the next couple of months. Um, did we hear anything at all about them trying to get this moved up or or was it just kind of like, hey, look, you know, the draft. Yeah, it'd be nice to have that as part of as part of everything. But I mean, it's not worth it's not worth trying to get this thing moved up a, a week and a half. Yeah, I won't speak for Adam, but I had heard nothing about that. It's been May one for a while now in Colorado, and I think they're just like, you know, I think trying to rush it just for the NFL draft. Again, we always talk about whether the whether it be worth the squeeze. It's certainly yeah. worth something. It will be a you know an it would have been an acquisition point for a lot of sports books. You know, I think DraftKings is even going to be pretty aggressive with it. You know, just trying to get people to download the app even before maybe have some free to play contests uh, with the, with the draft in Colorado and things like that. But uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think it's just you know regulators aren't real uh, real excited about changing deadlines for for events, I don't think. So that's that would be my takeaway. Yeah, to add to that, Matt, there were really wasn't that discussion because that May 1st date was set in January. Uh, it was something that was on the board long before all of the shutdowns. And if you think about how the Colorado market sets up, I think you would have set up an, something that was not a level playing field to start that early because you have the big operators who are doing this on a national scale. And really, they're just going to flip a switch and get things started. If you're the, the smaller operators or the, or the ones less prepared to jump into a new market and you don't have as much preparation for jumping into a new market from uh, from other states, I think you, you might not want to go live and have your first experience be this potential storm of NFL betting on the draft and have this enormous event. Uh, be the first thing that you get into. So I think there could have been some reasons to not do it, even if it had been suggested. If you guys were following along when we were covering the sports betting national championship that DraftKings put on, it was, there was a bunch of, let's just put it this way. There was a bunch of controversy as to way that it went, went down as far as the final standings and how it all ended. There were, some rules that ended up being a little kind of, you know, once you actually, once it kind of came into play, you realize that, oh, okay, these rules maybe should have been thought out a little bit better. It didn't happen that way. It ended up, 
you know, a lot of money at play. We're talking six figures, seven figures that were at play in this contest here. There were some, there were some pretty angry people, Adam, along the way. And it looks like DraftKings here, you know, well over a year, you know, about a year later here have, uh, have decided to uh, settle this thing up. Yeah, that's the case, Matt. And I'm going to give just the brief details of what happened with this lawsuit settlement. But for those who haven't followed this thing closely or frankly thought about it in quite a long time, I'm going to kick it right back to you since I know you were part of the event and and you can kind of explain to people exactly what went down. But uh, this lawsuit was settled for a fairly small number, about $100,000. The class action suit ended up with the person who filed the suit getting about $7,000, that being the bulk of his entry fee back. Everybody else who was part of the class action is going to get $150 in DraftKings free play, which has irony in and of itself. Uh, And of course, the lawyers, as you would expect, are going to get about two thirds of the money and it makes out well. But (laughs) essentially, it it claimed negligence in uh, in the part of DraftKings saying they they did not operate the contest properly and basically made his entry fee worthless and made it so he didn't have the opportunity to to win. Uh, Brad Allen reported that it could have been up to millions of dollars that DraftKings had initially planned could be part of this settlement, but ends up coming down pretty low. I think those claims would have been fairly difficult to prove in terms of su- substantial damage uh, to that level. Uh, from my completely non-attorney perspective. But beyond that, uh, Matt, maybe you can explain a little bit more of why people were upset in the first yeah, place. The, the, big, the big bugaboo here was the fact that the, the games bled over. This was a contest that there, were a, there was a certain amount of games that you could bet on and there was a cutoff. And, and with that, that was how, that was the end of the last games that you could bet on with the uh, with the sports betting championship. And so what happened was, is there was the last game that you could bet on. Well, the previous game bled over into the start of the final game that you were allowed to bet on. Well, if you had bet on that previous game, your bets were not settled at that point. And so you were not, uh, they were not credited to the account to the people that were in the contest. Now, there was some question as to whether some people got their bets settled and other people did not. There were questions as to whether some people were able to get their bets manually scored as opposed as opposed to just waiting for the computer to do it as well because they were able to find the right person who was able to uh, fast track them getting their bets uh, settled and everything like that. And so there was a whole bunch of controversy around whether that was a fair playing field for people to get their bets scored and settled and have the money in their account to be able to play that final game or not. And and Dustin, I don't know if we ever really got a definitive answer in all of this as to whether, you know, whether there were some people who were able to get their, their bets manually scored. I don't have, I don't think I ever got a definitive answer on that. I do know that there were some people who claimed that they did get their money in their account in time. Other people, we know Rufus Peabody being the most vocal of that. Uh, the guy who could have ended up winning the whole thing if he would have been able to bet on that final game and had his bet won, of course. You know, there's it's not to say he would have won, but, you know, the, he definitely had a chance to win and would have been a seven figure score for him. So I don't know if all the details actually fully ever even came out. I guess this is just kind of uh, DraftKings is able to to get out of here with a, a six figure settlement and, and they'll just move on. 
Yeah, I mean, big win. I think <laughs> this is yeah. good. it could have been it could have been messier. I mean, it was bad PR when it went down. Although how how far that PR reached was you know basically limited to folks like us who cover it. It didn't really didn't really cross over into mainstream media. DraftKings didn't get a ton of blowback. I think everybody agrees pretty much. Probably even DraftKings themselves, you know, they won't they wouldn't admit it publicly. But I'd say they probably said like they know that this didn't go go well. Though they were trying, I, you know, I you know, maybe I'm being too much of an apologist. They were trying something different. They were trying to right. provide us an online sports betting championship of the likes which we have not seen in the United States, and it didn't go perfectly, which which sucked. They were you know they didn't think of the logistics of how it. Might I go down, you know, there was supposed to be another one of these uh, in March, which obviously got canceled uh, with everything uh, happening in, in the world today. But, um, you know, uh, I, I, the details of it. Yeah, it's, I think it's, you know, there, I've heard a lot of, you know, what people have said and what 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 happened. It's I think it's pretty clear it didn't go down the right way. And this, this kind of closes the chapter on it. Probably not to everyone's satisfaction either. But either way, it is it is a done deal now to to. A, a double plug here for our, our sister site, the lines, but I actually interviewed uh, Rufus Peabody. If you guys want to uh, check that out and we talk about this, this case and we talk about what went down with him in that interview. And so uh, if you guys want to check that out over there, funny enough, I mean, talking to him, he said he thought it was a great idea. What DraftKings did. He thought it, you know, trying to bring some innovation to the sports betting space. So I think more than anything, there, the big gripe was just making sure that it was a level playing field, not even so much that, you know, that some that the the games bled over into one another and they didn't really have a right. contingency for that. I think it was more the gripe was just, hey, the there are people out there claiming that their bets got scored when there are when there were other people who whose bets did not get scored. And from that aspect, I do understand the gripe. Yeah, and it is, I mean, part of that is all again. It's tied up in the timing. It was all it was all really bad. If if anybody who did get their great, you know, they they probably should have gone back and said none of this gets scored, and that mm-hmm. that would have probably that would have also created a you know uh, another <laughs> firestorm. No, right. Either way that every either way that things went down, it was not going to go well for DraftKings uh, based on the how it happened. You know, I think that obviously they've learned for that when they do these events again in the future. You'll probably you'll avoid this, so or or at least we'll hope. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be some big bold rules written. I can guarantee you that as far as as far as how this is all going to go down. You know, probably just buyer beware risk. You know, understand that if you have all your money at risk and it's not in your account by the time the next game gets going, then that's just the way the old ball bounces. Uh, we talk about New York pretty much every single time we have a podcast. We have to do it. It's the one of the we talk about the golden goose. Uh, states that is still out there as far as sports betting goes and well it, mobile sports betting anyway they do have sports betting but from a mobile standpoint when they can actually realize the entire state as far as a revenue standpoint goes uh, Dustin do we actually have news in New York or is this just another hey we need to put New York in the podcast uh I, I guess I think it qualifies the news I mean <laughs> I think it's, it is it is in the constitution of the the LSR podcast that we have to talk about in New York and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to put sports betting into the constitution of the of the state, which is something that people have uh, have thought needed to happen anyway. In an extra for it to not uh, come up against legal challenges, um, you know, DFS same way. It's you know it's that the daily fantasy sports law from 
way back when uh, now is, is under challenge because it wasn't a constitutional amendment. The legislature overstepped its ba- bounds and what it did. So anyway, you know, with everything going on, it's not going to have the law is not going to happen this year. Obviously, it's not getting included in the budget. So now we have the, the people who carry water for the sports betting bills uh, over the years are saying that because they're not they're not not really any chance to legalize it this year. Might as well try to put it. Uh, into a constitutional amendment that would uh, would then go, then make it very clear how, where sports betting falls and probably do it in a less messy way than the legislature does. So we have you know, someone in Gary Partlow, who's been you know the the, for, the foremost person who wants to talk about this in New York, saying that he's, would, he wants to get the amendment done, get it in front of voters in November 2021. Um, you know, whether this will happen again, that's we we don't know. We we do know they love to talk about sports betting in New York. We, I, I'm I'm always a negative outlook on them actually getting anything done. But this is this is probably the this is probably the best way to go about legalizing uh, online gambling in New York. And you know, obviously, 2021 with a vote in 2021 means we're looking till 2022 till you actually launch. None of that's ideal, but um, you know we're, we're we're still talking about it even in the times of, of of a pandemic, and hopefully that New York gets something done sooner rather than later. And Adam, all the while behind the scenes, we would never we would never see, but the uh, people uh, the the people in New Jersey, the the uh, you know the the suits in New Jersey are, are jumping up and down and doing cartwheels because. That means at least another football season, if not two football seasons of everyone from New York making the trek across the border to go place their bets on the DraftKings and FanDuel's and PointsBets apps uh, whenever they just take the train across the border there. Scrooge McDuck diving in coins <laughs> dot gif replaced by Tony Soprano. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You know what? We should actually have that. We'll, we need to get someone on that. It, P- Wizards of the Internet. If you don't mind uh, creating us that gift, that would be uh, pretty amazing. All right, Adam, let's check in on a couple of states here, uh, Massachusetts and Pennsylvania. A couple of notes from those two states. Massachusetts, we talked about having gotten its uh, different bills kind of coordinated into one. It looked like that might be something interesting and then a bunch of cold water thrown on that in a report by our Mac Riddell who talked to the vice chair of the committee where that bill is sitting right now, basically said, yeah, it's here. But, you know, with everything we're dealing with, with the with the pandemic right now, this bill likely gets pushed to next year. It always seemed a long shot to get anything done in Massachusetts this year. But I will say if this bill carries forward into next year, that's at least a pretty good starting point for a state where we've had some questions about their ability to get on the same page over in Pennsylvania. A bill introduced in the legislature by a senator who's had a a bent toward uh, toward lowering property taxes in some cases. And in this case, he wants to be able to redirect some money from sports betting toward property taxes to help those who've been affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Really, it's just the introduction of this bill. We have no idea of its prospects uh, this early uh, this early on. But uh, a bit of news to report from Pennsylvania that does not have anything to do with the handle over in Pennsylvania, which naturally in its report last week was down like everywhere else, but a pretty decent hold rate uh, helped it not be a terrible month for Pennsylvania. Guys, I don't want to, I know it's, it's very early in this and I don't want to put you on the, on the spot here for something that maybe you haven't thought out completely, but 
Um, do we think as we start to return to normalcy, we're starting to see states put out plans as to how they start to open things back up. We start to we're starting to see rumors come out when we might see the NHL come back, what the plan might be for the NBA, what it looks like in the fall for uh, golf and for football and things like that. Do you think as we move into 2021 that what we faced over the, the last half of this year would be any sort of spark to get these bills kind of pushed through uh, increasing state revenue through through licensing fees, through taxes, through whatever, getting more money flowing in uh, using the you know, using this as a deal where, hey, we're creating jobs. We're putting in these sports betting companies within our states. We're opening sports books. We're doing things like that. We're also creating interest in sports when maybe we aren't able to put people in stands and things like that. Do you think this is going and Adam, I know you've been there, done that with this type of stuff, but do you think this is going to be kind of a major talking point in 2021 as we move into these discussions? I do, but I don't think it's going to be based necessarily on what you're talking about in terms of revenue streams. I think what we're going to be dealing with overall, what we're seeing here over the last month, and obviously we're going to continue to see over the coming months is there's going to be some breakdown of the taboo on things being done mobily. Uh, folks having to work from home for as long as they have, seeing the amount of functionality that is available uh, by using technology, being able to do most of your job from home, I think there might be some education there for some state-level lawmakers who might not have seen just how much you can get done from home in the past, right? Those who have a little more of an old school mentality when it comes to coming to the office and doing your job. If you see that you're able to do your job more effectively from home, if you're able to manage your life more effectively from home, order your groceries, order food, uh, et cetera, et cetera, all these things that you're able to do without significant security concerns from your home, then why wouldn't you be able to apply the same thing to mobile sports betting? So I don't know if that necessarily will show to be the case, but I do think that that, that part of the discussion could be something that's interesting to watch moving forward. I think that's a, a a very good point. I mean, at what at what argument, I guess, would you have against doing something, you know, quote unquote, virtually over the Internet or or mobily when we are going to have the Supreme Court, you know, like hearing arguments and stuff virtually and, and whatnot, like the, the highest court in the land, the most powerful entity that there is in the United States that is that they feel comfortable enough doing something online. It almost, Dustin, at least in my eyes pretty much shoots down any argument you could have at this point moving forward of, well, we can't really trust doing this stuff mobily. Yeah. And the, and the funny thing is people have gotten over that for sports betting, but not for other forms of gaming. But here we sit, you know, we, I, we, be, we beat this drum too. Pennsylvania, New Jersey are, uh, you know, along, along with Delaware to a limited extent too, have online casinos and, you know, it's not making up for the, all the revenue, obviously that you're losing for the land base, you know, but this is better than the zero that's coming in in every other state. So, you know, you don't. You, I think there's. I also think in the larger world, there's going to be some like let's not let's not. If this happens again. It's not like it's impossible that another pandemic happens. You know, this is you know this is increasingly a possibility in the world we live in. We're so interconnected, and you know, the, this, this came out of kind of nowhere, but not entirely either. People have been saying this is a possibility for a while. So, you know, the casino industry, I think, would be wise to say, hey, look. Uh, you know, we've we've gone to zero revenue. We're we're burning through tens of millions of dollars every month just to to not be open. 
why wouldn't we you know increase the amount number of uh, online options and that that takes some com- that takes a bit of getting comfortable with with that world and, and becoming you know realizing one that it's not not going to hurt your land based casino, casino business when you're going when you got everything going and I, it, it's you, you know you'd like to think in a rational world we, we yes everybody would be like yes let's just do everything online we don't need to do it in person anymore, we can, we can just move on with our lives. And we, this goes with the in-person registration too. We still have those, you know, Iowa sports betting is basically going to be the people who have already signed up because you can't go to a sports book and sign up at a casino. So, uh, yeah, you hope you hope this has a, a, an impact in in the gambling industry. But you know, uh, I've, I've watched enough le- legislative shenanigans to, to realize <laughs> that's not maybe not the, not maybe not going to be the case. Something we speculated on, um, wondering what was going to happen with. A big event that happens here in Nevada, Las Vegas specifically, the World Series of Poker. This is something that is, it brings thousands and thousands of people over the course of six weeks to Las Vegas. But, I mean, the writing was on the wall that they were going to either have to postpone or cancel the World Series of Poker. You're just never going to be able to shove that many people into a small space a month from now, which is really when this thing was going to get going there at the end of May. And Dustin, the official word finally came through this week that it is indeed postponed. Yeah, uh, their hope is to to have it uh, sometime in the fall. That may even be uh, optimistic. But yeah, we as we are as you're looking at the calendar, the start the World Series poker starts in May to actually think that people are going to uh, travel all the, over the world from all over the world to play poker in a cramped space where where disease where there's always the joke of the uh, the Rio flu and there's the World Series going on you know this was I think this is a pretty much a no-brainer that we expected you know they hope to do it in the fall um, I mean you're you guys are from Vegas like trying to carve out a bunch of you know a month and a half of a lot of, of meeting space that's not already booked uh, I, I don't I don't know how possible that is <laughs> you know there's there's been plenty of talk of trying to move more of this online. Uh, you know, I, I, I just don't see how even in the fall, how how we're going to get to the same level of, of people coming and, and visiting and going in the winter as opposed to summer during summer break and things like that. It's it seems like I don't know. If, I mean, maybe they'll have a great event in, in the fall. Things will be back to normal and, and they'll do gangbusters. But it's sitting here now. It seems like that might be a bit optimistic to me. Adam, I'm not going to sit here and try to say that I can see the future, but, you know, we have heard kind of what they're talking about as far as laying out how to reopen Las Vegas, what they're going to do with the casinos, how they're going to go about it. And it seems to be a pretty cautious approach to everything. And for me to think, I mean, I understand it's, it's technically postponed. It's not canceled. They're looking to do this in the fall, but again, getting thousands and thousands of people into a place to sit at a table and basically do the most the most germ spreading thing you can possibly do in a casino playing poker, which is everybody touching the same cards, everybody touching chips and passing them back and forth at a table. I don't know. I mean, I think it's very optimistic to think that this thing actually goes down in the fall here in Vegas. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I hope this goes away and we're, we find a vaccine and all this stuff. I'm not trying to be negative Nancy here, but as we sit at the end of April, I think that's a really, really, really optimistic look to, to, to think that this is going to happen in the fall. Well, Matt, if you're thinking that way, I'm going to guess you were not listening uh, to the Anderson Cooper interview with the mayor of Las Vegas <laughs> earlier because she made it pretty clear that we're all going to be offered as tribute in some sort of Hunger Games remake 
uh, to make sure that the rest of the country can uh, can see that Las Vegas is doing just fine. Now, in reality, Matt, uh, fall does seem aggressive for any sort of large scale gathering, uh, period. Uh, look at what we've been hearing from across the country from various local and state authorities and from business leaders about professional sports restarting. And every talk uh, that we hear is of playing without fans because just getting that many people together in close proximity is something that before there's a vaccine, the scientists that I've read seem to think is a pretty poor idea. So then you add in the activity. Yes, we're all swapping chips and germs and cards and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, that seems highly aggressive to think that fall could be the time. At, at a minimum, you'd have to enforce like hand washing coming out of the bathrooms, which I'm pretty sure 90 percent of <laughs> don't do already. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm with you. I, I just uh, I don't know. Look, I I know people that work, you know, intimately and whose livelihoods involve the World Series of poker and stuff. And so I, I do hope they figure something out but it just in the scale that we have come to know the world series it just seems incredibly unlikely to me that we're going to see that here in here in 2020 but uh you know again i'm all for being proven wrong because i i want things like you do everyone at home listening to get back to normal so hopefully it does guys as we talk about every single week here you can find everything that we talk about on LegalSportsReport.com or any of our sister sites if those were mentioned in stories that we were talking about here. So just head over to LegalSportsReport.com to get all of those and all of those uh, subscriptions and ratings and reviews that we get on Apple and Spotify and Stitcher and Google. We really do appreciate all of those. And uh, we have actually been doing very well on those. And so we appreciate all the kind words and all the five stars out there. We're doing our best to bring you all the news and keep you up to date on everything that's going on out there, even through all this crazy time right now. So appreciate that and be sure and follow Dustin and Adam on the Twitter machine at Dustin Galker at Adam Candy. That is two E's and no Y. For Adam, for Dustin, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. Uh, go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal valid when product served. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.